This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending megabucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars today talks to the man for all seasons, Dunlop's Kevin Fitzsimmons, as he delves into the new wet tyre that we'll see from 2023 onwards. Yeah, got the towers here in, in May. We were trying to work out as to how we were going to do the test about, you know, even renting water trucks to run around Winton on the short circuit. And having seen all the Supercars era cars launched, he talks about his excitement for what Gen 3 can bring. Absolutely, hand on my heart. It's genuine, genuine excitement. I, I uh, Everybody I talk to, it brings a smile to my face, you know, it's... Um, I've just I've just seen enough to know that I think it's it's going to be a massive step forward for the category. Heading into the Gold Coast and Adelaide to finish the season, it's going to be an interesting time, particularly for the man of tyres, Kevin Fitzsimmons on Inside Supercars. And the show starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock, I'm with Kevin Fitzsimmons and here we are at the Dunlop uh, Tyre Factory, no it's not the Tyre Factory, it's a tyre warehouse out in Truganina and visiting Kevin and um, the news just out, that the fact that you've got a new wet uh, weather tyre for the first time to come with Gen 3, this is pretty exciting. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. We, uh, we've sort of been investigating it for a fair while, sort of the discussion's been on and off for years about going to a softer wet. Um, it was... You know, we sort of really sort of ramped it up about Tail and Bend last year after the wet race there and a few of the drivers are saying we've we just got to do something that just gets it to come on a bit quicker or that it holds temperature better after a, um, and during a safety car or something like that. So uh, the discussions were started with the factory then and about whether it be a new pattern and also a yeah, softer compound sort of thing. And then, uh, yeah, we uh, uh, got to Sydney and then had the, the horrendous wet races that we had there for the the four races that we had were just it was just like when's it going to dry up sort of thing you know and then it uh, it ramped up from there we we um yeah spoke to the factory and uh, they they come up with some new compounds they did all sorts of computer modeling to t- uh, check out new patterns they've got a different pattern they use in the super gts up there but for our car with the cambers and the general suspension setup and everything that we run here and everything the existing pattern that they have still disperses more water than anything else they they tested so we just went down the path of uh of testing compounds and um yeah got the towers here in in may we were trying to work out as to how we were going to do the test about you know even renting water trucks to run around winton on the short circuit 
Uh, they've still got the capability there of, of partially flooding the back straight and everything from back when um, Dunlop had the uh, the tyre development stuff was all there with the skid pan that's still there at Winton at the back of the paddock now. So that, that facility is still capable of, of, of flooding the back straight. So we talked about it and um, then luckily we got to the Sandown event and had a ride day with all the teams and a Gen 3 test day on the Monday after the event and the heavens opened up in the afternoon and we were able to put the tyre on with the uh, the existing tyre and uh, back to back it uh, and straight away the drivers got out and just, yeah, like, yeah, give us them. You know, we uh, we were sort of uh, thinking with the, the weight of the, the Gen 3 car being so much lighter uh, less downforce, uh, a better torque characteristics and things, and single throttle body, the drivability, it was, uh, it was going to be difficult on the, on the current wet being so hard. And, um, yeah, this thing that worked really, really well. So we were very happy with that. And then, uh, luckily or unluckily, at Bathurst, we got to rerun it on the two Gen 3 cars with Luke Yulden and Steve Richards, and both of them just come back um, raving about it. You know, it just uh, ticked every box. It's... Uh, Better drive, better steer, better braking, just a massive amount more confidence. Uh, so, yeah, we'll just, uh, we'll just roll that one out. So I was able to squeeze a, a thousand of them into production in December and we'll have them here in time for Newcastle in March. Now, of course, um, it's not a monsoon tyre, you know, which was the old terms used for in the days of Bridgestone and Yokohama and things like that. Um, but um, it is a tyre that's a much softer compound and therefore retains its heat well, yeah, gets it's, there quicker. Yeah, it, it'll, um, it's, it's massively softer than the, the, the current tyre. Um, when we uh, first got the things in here, I thought, wow, we have, <laughs> have we gone too far sort of thing? But it, uh, it, yeah, it, it did a really, really good job. The, the, the wear is going to be uh, more than what we had uh, with the current tyre, which was back, back when we first rolled out the, the, the control tyre back in 1999, uh, we had to have a wet weather tyre then that needed to be able to do a fairly long stint in a race, places like the Grand Prix and Gold Coast where we didn't do pit stops in those days, you had to have a wet weather tyre you could put on a damp track and when it dried out, you weren't throwing blocks at the spectators in five laps, you know. So when Dunlop took over the control tyre at the start of 2002, that evolution continued of having a um, an aggressive intermediate, if you want to call it that, as a wet weather tyre that would cover those type of bases and everything. And it's just been there forever and a day. And it's easy for the drivers to keep saying, we want a softer tyre, want a softer tyre, want a softer tyre on the current cars. Uh, but the team owners are the ones who've got to foot the bill when we're throwing tyres at it significantly quicker. So we had to um, convince the team owners that it was going to be a good move for Gen 3. But the fact that the cars are lighter, the wear on the tyre at Sandown wasn't uh, significantly high as... Uh, um, we, we sort of had a good measure of them afterwards and everything, but the main thing is the teams currently, uh, through all the the races that we've had recently, which has just seems to have been forever, everywhere we go it's been raining, that the teams are using the tyres for one race and then replacing them anyway. So we might as well give them something that's got a significant amount more grip, and if it does wear out during a race stint, say for at, at Bathurst, or if we do a Sandown 500 again or something like that, then it brings a bit of strategy into it. But if not, if it's only the sprint races that are 100, 120 k's or 150 or something like that, then um, they're, they're just sort of replacing the tyres anyway. So it shouldn't be a massive amount more expensive for the team owners, maybe in the realms of another six or eight sets a year. So that's, uh, fingers crossed that that's how it all pans out. And um, am I right in thinking that um, 
you know, those years where we'd see drivers running around looking for water on the track to cool the tyres down, um, you know, that's obviously in longer races and longer sessions. Um, this is not going to be something you think will be occurring? Oh, look, it could be. We, we um, The two times that we ran it, uh, that we've, we've run this tyre, it uh, was extremely wet at Sandown and getting heavier and... Uh, when we bought them in, it was more of a fact of we've only got two of these prototypes, we've got to look after them. Uh, the tyre the had already ticked the box with where we wanted to go. It, it got, you know, 15, 16 laps in uh, and we, we came in and bought them in and then the rain just got heavier and heavier. You, you, you don't want to risk it. You've got There's too much at stake to, to risk damaging a car uh, in, in testing when you're developing a new car for a series. So um, we uh, we saw enough to know that the tyre was going to do the job. At Bathurst, it was a lot drier down the bottom than what it was up the top and everything, and the tyre came off looking mint. So it may be the type of thing, the heat may affect it in a, in a longer race if it's very, very dry. Uh, until we get to that path, we won't know, but that's going to be part of the strategy that the teams are going to have to work with. It's good to have something else that they've got to learn with Gen 3 as to what it is. When they know the tyres, as far as slick tyres go, uh, the soft, super soft and the hard as to what that's capable of doing. But um, the cars are, as I say, significantly lighter, less aero. They're going to be very, very different to the way they react. So um, they may be looking for water. That'll be you know, something else that we can uh, look forward to seeing. Uh, it's uh, Gen 3 project in general is going to be a really, really good thing. You've been there for virtually every time the Gen 3 cars have run, whether it's a test day or a post-race meeting. Um, you're pretty excited about the new car. Absolutely, hand on my heart. It's uh, genuine, genuine excitement. I, I uh, everybody I talk to, it brings a smile to my face. You know, it's um, I've just I've just seen enough to know that I think it's it's going to be a massive step forward for the category. It's it should improve the show enormously, and I think it's the most paratized car they've ever had. We'll see some uh, some really good racing moving forward. I think it's it's going to be a really good thing for the category. And, and Kevin Fitz is a man who's seen five generations of these supercars, yeah, all versions of V8. Very true, yeah. If, uh, Take us through your, your experience. Yeah, well, I went through the Group A side of things, 87, with Brocky and the, the Commodore into Cito Sierra and, and um, back with the Commodore with uh, Larry and, and Pete together in sort of 1990-91 sort of version. And then the, the evolution of going into the, the V8 and then becoming V8 supercars and the Project Blueprint through into Car of the Future development. We did a lot of Ks with that one, lots and lots and lots of laps. And then sort of the, the Gen 2 evolution of the Mustang, to, uh, the ZB Commodore sort of thing, and now into Gen 3. So uh, I've seen some varying body shapes and chassis and things over the years, that's for sure, but this one's uh, definitely got me excited. Okay. It, it seems like it's got a trick bit of kit. I mean, just talking recently and interviewing John Russell, um, he's very excited about the car. He, he talks, you know glowingly about the development of it and how good a car it is yeah it's it's you know sometimes you get to the stage where you say oh, it's a an evolution not a revolution this thing is a revolution believe me um they're um everything about them with as far as the the look of the car you know they, they look mean and angry and and uh, the sound and everything it's it's going to be it's going to be a really really good thing the fans are going to love it so uh it's it's just 
ticking boxes every time we go out you discover something new with it you know whether it be a, a drivability thing or just the, the way the cars sit on the track the different lines they can take the way that the driver following can do, make a massive dive bomb and in behind him at Simmons Plains David Reynolds and Lee Holsworth were having a good old play sort of and, and running around and the things there and it's just it's just enough to actually sit back and go hey look you know we're in a bit of a winner here so uh yeah, it's it's genuine excitement from my point of view. Without talking out of school, is there anything that you can remember? Because you've been there lots of times when a driver's had his first go in one of these cars. Is there something common that they've all sort of said when they get out of the car and comment to you just in passing sort of thing? It, it's sort of funny. You, you don't. I don't take a lot of notice of what they say when they first get out of the car because drivers are unique animals. They um, they process so many different things all at once and try to blurt it out all in the the one thing it it doesn't do that but the one thing that has been noticeable I think without word of a lie every single one of them's got out with a smile on his face so that's a big plus you know they haven't we haven't got out with our hands in our hands saying like what what are we doing here you know (laughs) you know there was there was some ergonomic issues early on in the piece that they they rectified every test every time the cars have gone out there's been a, a a gain or something feels that little bit better and you get guys like Luke Yildon that have driven the car a lot and to hear him get out of the car at Bathurst and say that's the best it's ever been and give you the nod and the wink like yeah, yeah, she's right that's that gives me a lot of encouragement with the fact that John Russell and Adrian Burgess and their teams and the two homologation teams have, have done an exceptionally good job people are sort of saying about uh, how the project's so delayed so delayed you know we've got to get it right yeah, and yeah. there's no point in rushing it and half doing the job and be trying then to fix little teething problems March, April, May next year sort of thing when we're the season's kicked off, you know. So the the fact of the, the delay that they had to, to push it back to the start of 23 and everything is 100% the correct decision. And, yeah, just it's hard to say wait, but just wait because there's some good times ahead. Just reflecting on recent times, I remember going and talking to you at Bathurst. This was on probably about the Thursday, I think it was, or maybe Friday morning, and the portent of, of doomsday ahead with rain, and you know, you're going to have enough tyres and all this sort of thing. How did you end up? Because obviously it was a much drier race than anyone expected. Yeah, it was. Weather forecasters, you just got to take it with a grain of salt sometimes and just be prepared. So basically, in a nutshell, we had plenty of stock here in Melbourne. I had to send uh, four 40-foot shipping containers up to Bathurst, regardless for all the dry tyres for the main championship and Super 2 and Super 3 cars. So, and it was just a bit over the a 20-foot container, what we needed for the last one. So I just basically said, well, we've got to send it up anyway. We might as well fill it with wet. So I actually sent up 256 more than what were, were required by the regulations in the operations manual. And so they were able to increase the allocation while we were there. And if the team's wanted to buy them they could so the operations manual had then that it was 20 tyres from qualifying onwards they upped it to 24 we had 28 per car plus then the super 2 super 3 so I had uh, just over 1100 wet weather tyres up there and um, yeah we uh, sold just over 600 so um, yeah bought a few few homes so 
Um, you know, it sort of it covered the covered the base off, but that's the type of thing where you just sort of sit back and look at it. We've had situations before where no rain forecast at all and picture of the sun for a week out and we've got there and it's bucketed rain every day. So I'm pretty wary of that. In the operations manual, it actually has a listing by event of dry weather tyres, pre-marked, of the you know, ones, new ones we supply, the pre-marked tyres and the wet weather tyres. So I just cover the bases that they're all there. The teams all know that they can ring me the week before the race or whatever the case may be and say, hey, we need a set for practice. We used a set at a test day. We did some corporate rides, whatever the case may be. Can you bring an extra set for us? And we cover the base. So um, there's the, the situation with having plenty of stock here is uh, is paramount to uh, to doing that as far as you know to, to supply. It's, it's pretty important to make sure we don't run out, that's for sure. Winding down the end of the season, another Shane Van Gisbergen season, looks likely. Yes. <laughs> Pretty sure, because he's won 19 of the 30, which is an extraordinary number. Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, we all saw Scotty sort of 2019 doing th- things that people sat back and said, you know, this will never be replicated. And I said, just watch this space, you know. <laughs> Shane's an exceptional talent. Everything he drives, whether it's a quad bike, um, what he did in the New Zealand Grand Prix there in that open wheeler starting for pit lane. He is a very, very unique individual. He's he's very focused. He's incredibly driven. He's he's passionate, but uh, he's bloody fast. Yeah, and that's indeed. that's that's the, the critical thing. So we've got two events to go: Gold Coast and then Adelaide. A return to Adelaide, and of course, a very different one because this time it's the end of year, like yep. the old Grand Prix used to be. Absolutely, uh, cannot wait. But let's just look. Um, okay, Gold Coast. We've got two two fifty k races. A bunch of guys there, young drivers who uh, will be making their debut at the Gold Coast, another one who will be making their debut in a 250k race. What tyres will they be using there? Uh, soft tyres for the Gold Coast. The, uh, the, at least that'll give them the, the, the good confidence straight out the, out the lane sort of thing and that because you don't get a lot of uh, high-speed corners to generate the temperature and that and hitting that chicane over the back, you uh, you want to make sure you've got some grip. <laughs> yeah. It's... Um, there's it's, been some uh, resurfacing there, I understand. Yeah, there has been, yeah. So, um, but, you know, it's it's a car killer on the kerbs and everything. Gold Coast is a very, very difficult track. It's forecast at the moment to be around about 27, 28 degrees. There is rain leading up to the event, so it, it could be humid. We'll just have to uh, wait and see. But uh, for the guys that haven't done a 250k race before, it's it's certainly going to be an eye-opener, especially leading into Adelaide in December, which could be horrendously hot. You now we've had... Uh, first year of the Melbourne of the Adelaide Grand Prix I should say um, it was baking it was seriously seriously hot and that was sort of end of November so um, it, it can happen but um, I think a lot of guys are going to be looking forward to their ice bath after the race that's for sure. As you talked about uh, it's the backing up on the Sunday after doing it on the Saturday which obviously in Adelaide um, it'll be the dry heat of uh, South Australia yep. it's just that very different thing for them all to accustom to isn't it? Very much so. Uh, in the in the street circuits and everything, where the, the walls are so close to the edge of the car, it gets a bit of a massive heat soak and, and dead air down there. The the breeze doesn't blow th- around the circuit, so it gets quite hot down around the walls and uh, inside the car. And the cars in, inherently are very very hot inside. They've all got the cooling systems working extremely well now. But as we've seen in the past, cooling systems can fail, and um, these are not the two tracks that you want that. Uh, want that happening to moving forward sort of thing you know it's very very tough on the body but then to back it up the next day as well is a very very tough gig that's for sure all right well we look forward to catching up on uh, the gold coast uh, streets of there um with uh, kevin fitzsimmons and uh, thank you very much for joining us on inside supercars thanks tony inside supercars is produced by thunder media tune in next time for more on
or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending megabucks. For all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.